It's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Medler, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast. It's been a crazy few days in the Premier League. We've seen Liverpool beat their rivals in Manchester United, get a late winner against Wolves. We've seen Manchester City drop points against Crystal Palace and get a win over Sheffield. We've seen Leicester drop points and lose to Burnley and then come back and beat West Ham. We've seen a rough stretch for Chelsea, who lost to Newcastle on the road. We're leading against 10-men Arsenal, but end up with only one point as they draw. Manchester United, who lost twice. Arsenal stuck down there in the middle of the table. Everything's happening all at once. It's the best time of the year. It's the Premier League. It's all happening. We're almost at the international. We're almost at the winter break, but we're not there yet. I'm Andrew Pissarro. We got Alex Moss here with me right now. What up? We will hear from Javier and Alex a little later. So all of us on the pod, just not at the same time. We had to get me and Javier together for the uh, the Arsenal Chelsea. To. Uh, to be fair, to you chat. had to because Javier declared Arsenal back on the last podcast, and they are definitely not back. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that in a, in a minute, but he may not be completely wrong. Let me just say that. I think they might be on their way, but Arsenal have to get have to get three points out of one of those games for me to declare them back. Until then, not back for me. Anyways, uh, let's talk about the game that happened, the last game that happened, and that would be Liverpool taking on Wolves. That happened. It's Thursday night while we're taping this. It'll probably be Friday morning by the time we finish taping this. Yeah, we're going to go that long. It's going to be 30 minutes. Liverpool played Wolves. They get the 2-1 win, a Jordan Henderson-headed goal or shouldered goal off uh, off a Trent Alexander-Arnold corner kick. Trent Alexander-Arnold has 10 assists as a right back as of this point in the season, which is just ridiculous. And then a Jimenez strike in the second half from Wolves to, to equal it up. Game really could have gone either way. There were definitely points where Wolves could have gotten the win. And then Roberto Firmino burying a goal in the 84th minute. He had a chance to score probably two minutes before that. Had a one-on-one with the keeper. And uh, shout out to the Rui Patricio from Wolves, who had a really nice save on that. But he gets the save. Liverpool get all three points at Wolves. And their unbeaten run is up to 40 games in the Premier League. Mathematically, if they continue doing what they're doing, Liverpool are going to win the title in March, which is just quite possibly the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard in my entire life. It would be the earliest that the Premier League has ever been won. But there is one thing that I'm concerned about coming out of this game, Alex, and that would be... What could that possibly be? Health, How? What could that possibly the be? Health of, the health of Sadio Mane. Because oh, okay, here's my cool. Thing. He's missing Shrewsbury away on in the FA Cup, and he's missing well, he West play Ham, that who have like, the worst form... Or one of the worst like sets of form in the league for weeks now. I, I feel I feel like you'll be fine. You know, you you literally just came out of the tough part of your schedule, and you won every single game. It stop trying to create like 
I don't know. Like, I, I guess uh, stop trying to manufacture stuff that you guys have to come up against. I mean, you obviously still have to keep getting results, but even if you started drawing more games and not even losing and dropping points that way, like no one else has shown the consistency to show that they're going to make up like a 16 point gap or whatever it is now. Plus you have this game in hand with West Ham. So it could be 19. It could be a 19 point right. game. It's over. Don't worry about that. Turn your focus towards the champions league and winning the league and champions league double. That's, that's, that's how you launch yourself ahead of man city. That's what I'm worried. I know Atletico Madrid are not in great form. In fact, I was tweeting with Jack Grimsey and Kevin Egan today about Diego Simeone could be in trouble at Atletico Madrid right now. That They're in like horrendous form. But not having Sadio Mane for that, I feel like, would be detrimental because he is such a selfless player for our team. Mo Salah tried to win this game for us and had players open in the box that he could have just laid it off for somebody before Firmino got the winner. And he didn't. So I look. I love okay, Mo. No, I'm, de- I'm think- defending Mo there. You cannot slander Mo for that. He's the one who holds onto the ball with three defenders around him and then dinks it back to Henderson, who plays the ball in for Firmino. That was like great holdup play by him. He had a couple of selfish moments before that, but you want that out of your your a player who's capable of scoring. What, what was it like? Thirty eight goals two seasons ago. And plenty last yeah. season too. Like you want yeah. that mentality from at least one or two players. And Mane is—he's probably not as selfish as Salah, but he has his moments too, where you just see he's just like I'm taking this myself, and you don't blame him. They're both talented enough players to pull it off. I will say in this game and the last game over the weekend against Manchester United, you saw Mo Salah sitting back and doing putting in a defensive work shift that that. I just, like, you love to see it. This team has really come together. This was the first game in, like, they had seven consecutive clean sheets up until this game, I believe, in the Premier League, and then, or something like that, and then, fine, Wolves scored a day. Adam Traore gave us some trouble. I was having a conversation about whether or not Traore should be a target for Liverpool. I say no because his finishing isn't real. I don't know if he's ever going to be a talented enough finisher for us. But the speed and the ability off the counterattack is certainly something that's mouthwatering. But the number thrown out there is like eighty million, and if I'm paying eighty million quid for somebody to come play, I want like a guarantee that they're going to score ten plus goals, and I don't see that from him just yet. Not to say that that's not coachable, but for eighty million, I want somebody who can do that. And I think I could find that for eighty million. But just want to say, people are gonna uh, people are going to try and rush that because Adama has made such like a let's just face it, like a big leap this season compared to one's past where he's always had the dribbling, but now he does have a little bit more of an end product. But if you're going to throw around that number, 80 million, I know he's 24, that's probably what's like uh, pushing that number up there um, along with the ability. But you're not you're not going to spend that on someone after the first season they've done it as a 24-year-old. You're going to wait for another season, see if they can either replicate that or build off of it. And you'd hope they build off it, and then you absolutely fork over $80 million for a 25-year-old who's coming into like the prime of their career. But yeah, I mean, that, that, that doesn't seem like a move that would make sense for him right now. Wolves is like a really good level, like outside of, mm-hmm. I don't know what their wage situation is like, but... In terms of the level that you're playing at and the expectations, it's probably the perfect level for him right now. It's better than like Aston Villa or or Middlesbrough, who were down at like the bottom of the table when he was playing there, and he could barely get on the ball. He's definitely improved for them, and he just needs to keep on plugging away and keep getting the minutes he is. I would agree. I would totally agree. But I know we talked about this being the busiest, the the most difficult stretch for Liverpool. 
look at what who they did it without. They did it without Joel Matip being healthy. Fabinho only returned. I only just returned. I think he got a couple minutes in the Manchester United game. He got some minutes out there today. He clearly wasn't ready. They did it all while rotating through the worst injury crisis they've had. The worst injury crisis they've had this year. They're playing great football. Klopp's en- enlisting the perfect mentality. It's going to happen. Like, it's going to happen. Huh. They're going to okay. do it. Okay, I'm glad it took you till January 23rd to admit this. Well, That's how I, like, damaged you guys have been. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, it is. I, I, I kind of just thought, like, you had it from the moment you beat Man City at Anfield. Like, I know, you're, I know there was, like, still mathematically plenty of ways, but that was just soul-destroying. And Man City's results since then, they haven't looked like putting together... Like, they probably need, like, they would have needed, like, a 10-game winning run throughout Christmas. I think we said that as we were going into, like, the Christmas period and New Year's. They didn't get that. They dropped points in multiple games and uh, didn't show up on multiple occasions. And you guys have built yourself a big enough lead now that, yeah, you can definitely start celebrating, but turn your focus towards Champions League because... No one's really pushing their name or putting all their chips in, in, in the, the table for Champions League either. It looks like it's kind of your guys to lose with the, this big lead in the league. Yeah, and that feels pretty great. And they got to throw uh, Minamino out there after Mane got injured. I, normally I would have expected uh, Origi to come on, but I guess they go for a different approach. They pushed Alexander-Arnold into that kind of that left-wing position, which I didn't like at all because it didn't really work. Wasn't the most convincing game for Minamino, but his first taste at Premier League action, we'll start seeing him more. He's only been with the club 24, 25 days. He he joined the club before officially January 1 because he was like signed, but he wasn't able to like do whole regardless. He's going to take some time to kind of settle in, but we're in great shape. I'm really pumped about it. And I do want to say shout out to Raul Jimenez, who's been very good as a striker for a second year in a row at Wolves. I would not be surprised to see. We talk about a player who could get moved on from Wolves. He's a guy who's done it two years in a row now. And it, it, the right with the right system, I think he can play it at a higher level. But let's see where Wolves go. I love watching this team play. We're going to talk about the, them later in the, in the pod. They could be in the Champions League if they win Europe. And I don't think that's out. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. I really yeah, don't. I mean, they're they're sitting there level with they're level with United and Spurs right right now. I think they're in sixth and Spurs are in seventh. United on. They could have been in fifth place if they drew the game. Yeah, yeah. they would have been alone in fifth. Yeah, they would have been. It's uh, it's it's tight there. All right. But yeah, I mean, but yes. just to real quick on Jimenez, he's like Triori to me. He's just this is his level. This is a great level for him. And unless he wants to be a backup on a bigger team and get paid more for it, which I don't know, he could want that. Why not just stay at Wolves and build something? He's 28 or 29. He might maybe even be 30, and I might have lost track of it. But he's, again, right in the peak of his or prime of his career. They've got Jota, who's been inconsistent and has kind of had his uh, creation and goals taken over by uh, Traore next to Jimenez this season. But he's still young as shit. He's 22 or 23. So they've got three uh, either young or currently established solid forward players that they can choose from. And that, that's not, hasn't even brought up Pedro Neto, who in his first season is doing pretty well and scored a couple of really big goals and, um, and you know, applied himself well, like off the ball when that side of the game isn't necessarily going his way. So they've, they've got a bunch of players that 
just got there basically and are playing at a level and playing every week consistently that I don't know why they would leave it. Wolves have got something they can build for I think a good few years now. All right, that's enough from Wolves for right now. Let's uh let's jump out to hear Alex and Javier get into Chelsea Arsenal and Manchester United Burnley. Alex here with Javier mainly to discuss the Chelsea Arsenal midweek game we got in the Premier League on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, then we're going to throw it back to me and Andrew for a few other games. Um, Javier, I know you didn't get to watch this one, but let, let me just start with the, the Chelsea fan uh, like side of things. Yeah, by it was saying, working, sadly. Chelsea completely choked. We completely choked. That's all you need to know. It was a Chelsea choked job from a young, inexperienced team. Half the senior players didn't show up and play their best. Uh, it was frustrating throughout. And, uh, I mean, in the end, it's it feels like a loss. And I'm sure to Arsenal and Arsenal fans, it just feels like a win to come back, not once, but twice, went down to 10 men at Stamford Bridge. But it just kind of reflects things right now at Stamford Bridge. I was at work, and I looked down at my phone, and I see I had about 10 notifications. Um, some from you, other people were texting me, my dad. Pretty much everyone just telling me that, uh, you know, Arsenal were about to get destroyed. We were down to 10 men, down 1-0. 26 minutes in. Xhaka and Mustafi are the center back pairing, and I think, okay, this is going to be like three or four nil. Like, we're about to get hided. And surprisingly, after David Luiz went off the pitch, it looked like we started having more control of the game. I don't know about control. You guys never had control, but it was it was just the typical thing where we we cannot break down a low block. And the reason I thought we'd do well in the home games coming up, this Arsenal game, and then the Tottenham one, is because, I mean, other than Tottenham, and maybe they, they might not even do it because they'll need to win the game, but you wouldn't think those two teams would park the bus at Stanford Bridge. But when you get a yellow or a red card that early and you go down 1-0 and you're just trying to hang in the game, it's not the worst strategy to just sit deep. And I'm not saying that you guys like parked the bus, but it was... Uh, the emphasis was immediately switched to let's not get blown out. And I think that in turn is just something that we, th- those are the kind of setups that we struggle against. And it, it really showed other than a few players uh, on the park, Christensen, Jorginho and Cal Hudson O'Doy were all like very good. But other than that, we were just do, slow. Like, do you think that, uh, do you think that was a definite red card for David oh, yeah, Luiz? 100%. 100%. Well, there's been a lot of discussions saying that they, they took away that, that like double jeopardy rule where like you're not supposed to get a red card and a penalty unless you know un- unless like it's it's you that he wasn't going for the ball which he was going for the ball in that situation so i i kind of see why you would give a yellow and a penalty there um i can see why people were the whole last man thing you get an automatic red card that that rule doesn't exist anymore they took that away it's supposed to be like if the player doesn't go for the ball or is like doing violent conduct then it's a red card Okay, so are you um, talking about... But it's like, supposed to be just a yellow are you, and a penalty. Are you asking like what the rule should be or what it should have been interpreted as in, in the act? Because I, I think it's definitely a red card um, and it happened in the box, so it's a penalty. So I, I don't know if you start weighing up like, oh, well, if, if it's getting sent off, then that doesn't deserve a penalty also. The, the fact is, Tammy Abraham rounded Leno and was about to score and... David Luiz doesn't get any of the ball. It doesn't matter about intent. It matters about what happened. And David Luiz gets none of the ball and brings him down. Like, I don't know. That wasn't even a question that entered my mind. I just thought it was a stone-cold penalty. Maybe you can say don't give a penalty and the red card and then keep him on. But, uh, I mean, 
like I just said, it ended up kind of helping you because David Luiz and Mustafi back there was just, we were dominating pretty much up until David Luiz got sent off, creating a bunch of chances, probably should have scored two or three. Listen, I, I got I to gotta say something right now because I never thought Granit Xhaka would play for Arsenal again um, after the whole debacle he pulled when he was captain. But now, I mean, he's been playing pretty fucking well for us in the last few games. And in this game specifically, playing completely out of position with so much pressure on him. He really kept uh, the ball moving. He kept, you know, uh, our play going from side to side, and he was basically the thing that kept our attack going. Um, I thought it was like a pretty genius move to yeah. keep him on the pitch and to move him to center back, where he could. He basically was playing that Fernandinho role for City and and trying to just, you know, uh, drop into uh, to be a center back when, you know, we don't have the ball. But then when we did have the ball, he was stepping up into midfield a lot and. Yeah, he played positionally super, super well. And you can tell that Arteta's had an influence on him and, and our other midfielders. Torreira as well. Guendouzi when he came on. Positionally, these players are playing so much better than they were under Emery. I think that's probably the, the biggest thing. The biggest difference between Arteta and Emery is the position of I agree with you to pitch. an extent. I agree with you everything up until the forward line, I think, is really, really improved. But maybe it's because it was... Uh, was it the first time that he uh, he played Martinelli, uh, Lacazette, and Pepe? It's like from the beginning, like that looked yeah, good. That, that good looked pace. good, like yeah. in isolation. But we were like texting about this either earlier today or yesterday. Lacazette was like dropping in and trying to get the ball played to feet, and Arsenal were doing a really good job of like progressing the ball even when they were down to ten men. It was something I was pretty frustrated at that we have an extra man and we're not consistently pressuring and getting the ball off you guys higher up the field. Um, so they were able to get it to midfield and get into our half, but then just the timing of the runs from Martinelli and Pepe from outside to inside in behind when Lacazette drops in and leaves that space, that wasn't like completely right, but you could get like, uh, Pepe one-on-one with Emerson or Martinelli like one-on-one with Aspilicueta and use his pace like every now and then. And it still was like a threat. You guys had two shots on goal and scored on both shots on goal. We gifted you the first one. And to be honest, <laughs> and- I, I kind of thought, okay, like Kepa for the first one, it's a one-on-one. You're not, you can't really fault him too much. And but I thought the second one, the shot wasn't like that vicious. It had a little. It was bit well of curve, placed. It would have been a really good save. It was well placed, but it kind of seemed like, kind of like if you look at the replay from behind, Kepa doesn't really jump. He he kind of just flops in place and. There should have been much more spring in his jump, and I, I think he could have gotten there if he if he was properly placed. Um, I think either I don't know if he lost his footing. I don't know what it was. Uh, or he was wrong footed, like he didn't think Bayerian was going to shoot with his left foot there. Um, that may have caught him off guard. Yeah, I, I thought Kepa should have done better for the second goal. And yeah, like you said, two shots, two goals. It's got to feel like a smashing grab, which it was for us. I mean, it feels like a win. You know, I, I could not have ever thought that the team could battle down. Twice, you know what I mean. You guys scored in the 84th minute. You would have thought you definitely. Everyone thought. I'm sure that was no. The I was still worried. You know, I was. I was, I was still, worried. still worried. I was sitting there like we can throw this away. Where that's that's just been our season. Nothing is safe. If we had been up two nil, we were trying to push to get that second goal when you guys scored the equalizer first, uh, the first time. And when we pushed to get that second goal, you guys got, even if we had gotten it, I still would have thought to myself, Arsenal can get a set piece. They can get a penalty from VAR. Something can happen. 
if Chelsea and uh, and to a certain extent Arsenal, if we have we had kept our leads this season, because Arsenal has given up at least you know seven or eight leads. Chelsea, I, I think, has given up even more. You guys have been up against Sheffield United. You guys have been up against Newcastle. You've been up against no, we weren't up against uh, Newcastle and lo- and drop points. You were up against Newcastle just last we, we, week, and, and we and lost they came one back. nil. It was it was a tie, but oh, we had right. like seventy percent possession. We didn't get to talk about that one, and right. I would rather forget about it. But like we, our problem has been. Uh, when we don't score the first goal, a lot of times we just we we lose. Like we're, it's been a very few times. I can count on one hand the number of times we've come back from behind to win, or even get like a draw out of a game that we went behind in. The Arsenal game at the Emirates is the only, it was the first time in the league, and it's the only time I can really think about it other than maybe Ajax in the Champions League or something. It's uh yeah, it's I mean it's a mark of an inexperienced team that's pretty inconsistent. Regardless, we've both got uh, FA Cup this weekend. Arsenal, where are you guys? Uh, who are you guys playing in the FA Cup this weekend? Oh, he doesn't know off the top of his head. Would you look at that? Yeah, I mean, it's FA Cup. Why, why am I supposed to know off the top of my head? Like, It's your best chance at silverware this season, Javier. Come on, I thought you'd be... Uh... FA Cup, get the fuck out of here. We're going to win the Europa League. We're going to win the Champions League next year. Now you're winning Everything the Everything is going to be right with Mikel. <laughs> um, Who's going to stop us? <laughs> United know, Inter, maybe I've to, I've taken another maybe. look I've not really Inter. been I've been trying to cleanse myself of the Europa League after the year spent watching it last year so I've been a Champions League only guy this year um but FA Cup Chelsea's going to Hull City this weekend wouldn't be surprised after these last couple of inconsistent performances and terror and not great results if we just played like a week inside in that and just didn't show up show up and you know Lost a game in another frustrating fashion, uh, but you know it's it's uh, a week of rest after that. And who, who do Arsenal have? You know, you still don't know who Arsenal have. I said, I told you already. I said Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Okay, yeah, Bournemouth are trying to not get relegated. Yeah. You can go beat Bournemouth. That's fine. They don't. They don't yeah, care about the FA Cup. Beat them. Um, yeah. So I think that we we were going to talk about uh, one more game. The uh, the Burnley United. Yeah, game, seeing right? as Where I think they, uh, lost I think you're the only one in the pod who's watched it yet. I still haven't watched it, but. Yeah, I was. I actually did watch that game, um, and it was really just Manchester United. Now, no Marcus Rashford for three months. I don't. I don't Is think they make it top three four. months. That's definitely the the time period that's been quoted. Yeah, that's the that's Ugh. the definitive time period. He might even be iffy for the Euros, is what they're saying, um, because it's not an injury that it, like it takes a long time for it to heal. So time for Tammy. Um, Tammy, it's your time to step up. It was. The United had three really good chances in the first half before Burnley scored. Um, you could kind, of, you just knew Burnley were going to score after United missed those chances. Um, Martial, Mata, and I think Williams all had chances, and they all just kind of whiffed. Didn't even get like a shot on target. Just whiffed on their connection with them, and you could tell that United started. The fans started getting frustrated, and Burnley scored two really nice goals. Um, Chris Wood was really menacing all game. I thought, I think Burnley, like, they look so bad until they score, and then they seem to get, like, this boost of confidence that just gives them, like, a 10 or 15-minute spell that, that powers them through games. And, yeah, I mean, I know we called them to get yeah, really really, a couple weeks ago, but that looks kind of They really crouched now. down and shat They've on won that a couple bet. of games since then. I wanted us to go with Bournemouth. Right. And I know Bournemouth won in midweek this week, but I don't know. I still feel like that was better a better bet than Burnley. Jay Rodriguez scored a... Ridiculous nice goal um, in the second half. 
And yeah, I mean, United just kind of died with a whimper. They didn't really have anyone to bring on. I mean, they had Mason Greenwood, but you know, if you're relying on an 18 year old as like your only spark as Manchester United to like when you're losing a game at home, it's not always going to pay off. I, I don't know. They're in big trouble right now. They're in big trouble. They got to make some signings yeah, but- this summer. Who who do you think they can go out and get? Never I mean, mind this summer. They need they need to get that Bruno Fernandez deal. Sorry, this January. Like done, this January. Yeah, they need I mean, to get right that now, done this they need month. Someone right now. Uh, that's stalled since the last time we reco- recorded. Um, I mean, he's everything they need. He's one of the highest goal scoring midfielders of his generation, and and definitely uh, in in Europe. And you know, they just they they don't have that like extra bit of push and class uh from midfield and frankly sometimes even in their forward line so they probably need a striker of some kind too but you can't go out in january and just waste money like we've seen chelsea and probably some other clubs do uh in recent times so if they get just that bruno fernandez deal done i think they're still in the hunt even with rashford out but i only say that they're in the hunt because it doesn't look like any other team <laughs> really wants to play in the champions league next year like that's been Chelsea's biggest saving grace. We've had so many terrible results, and yet we're still five points clear uh, in 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 fourth place. Like, I think this is like the the lowest points total of a fourth place team at this point since the Premier League's been uh, in existence since '92. So it's it's obscene how badly Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, Manchester United. The lowest points, the lowest fourth points total, and definitely the highest first points total. So. Yeah. Yeah, in uh, I think it not just in Premier League history, but I think this is the most points any team has had ever in any le- any top flight league at this point, ever. No team has just gone just won every game and then had one except tie for at one this tie. Point. Yeah, it's it's getting obscene. It's uh, pretty an obscene historic run at this point. Have you scoured their schedule to see sure where they can uh, where it could possibly be? Drop uh, some points. Their their schedule is really easing up. They, this was their hard right. run. They went. They through don't play it all. another another like top six or like traditional top six. That's kind of been thrown out the window now. But they don't play another top six team until Manchester City away on like April second or third or something. So they've got another two full months basically of mid table and cupcakes. And yeah, I don't see them uh, see Liverpool tripping up anytime soon. But we'll save the. Liverpool Wolves uh, discussion for when uh, me and Andrew court a little bit later. Uh, um, Javier, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Good point for Arsenal. I can't say I'm fr- uh, I'm not frustrated, but you know, it was very unlikely that this Chelsea team was going to do the double over you guys, even with all of your uh, all of your weaknesses. So, um, just remember, I for one think Chelsea are uh, the best team in London. You know. And I hope you, for one, also, for one, will always remember that London is blue. Right, Javier? <laughs> that was a that was that was a, that was a pretty good yeah. pun, Alex. I like the uh, the four. I'm, I'm going to live off that for probably another season or two. Referring to another, the Europa another season final. or two, Europa League, Baku. Never forget, oh, London is blue. <laughs> All right, Javier. Thanks again for coming on, and we'll get back to me and Andrew now. All right, let's talk about Manchester United. I know you and Javier just talked about Burnley beating them at home. That's the first time that Burnley have won at Old Trafford since 1962, which is a deceiving stat because obviously the two sides did not get to match up a lot of that time because Burnley and United were not in the same division. So it is misleading, but it's still a huge win for Burnley. And the big question that's popping all over the 
all over the place right now is should Ole Gunnar Solskjaer remain as manager of Manchester United? He got that kiss of death. He got the backing of the board, which is famously the uh, the last bit of, I guess, PR that a club does before they actually sack a manager if the results continue. So, um, yeah, it, it's what a loss to Liverpool, and uh, I know it's away in Liverpool, obviously... 30 points ahead of United right now, so they're not really in the same sort of league in terms of their uh, their expected uh, achievements this season. But And you turn around and lose to Burnley, who, again, like you said, they haven't lost at home to Burnley for 50 years. And they came back, and I think they've come back from two goal leads each of the last two seasons at home to Burnley and then weren't able to do it this year. Uh, it's... Uh, it shows you life comes at you real fast. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think since they made him the permanent manager, he's won 11 Premier League games and he's lost 12. And I don't care I don't care what your name is and what your uh, your trophy cabinet looks like as a manager. When you're managing Manchester United, that's never going to end well for you. Having any more losses than uh, than wins is just not going to look good. And I, and I get it. There's no Pogba. There's no McTominay. There's no Rashford. They're in a bit of an injury crisis themselves. Javier was quoting just earlier that it's going to be like three months for Rashford. He might even miss the Euros. I, I probably need to look into it a little bit more myself. But it, if that's true and they just know they can't count on him, then like I just mentioned a few minutes ago, they have to do something in January. Never mind what Chelsea have to do or what Arsenal have to do or Tottenham. Uh, in, in terms of having similar expectations and goals for this season, those teams, you can reasonably see them getting some players back uh, like rounding into form with the current crop of players they have and, and making something of the season. Manchester United just are relying on a bunch of kids at this point that it's kind of unfair to be expecting so much from like a Mason Greenwood and a Brandon Williams. And I really like those players. They're, they're excellent young players and even younger than a lot of the, the, the Chelsea players we're talking about now who have gone out on loan for a year or two or sometimes even three. Like Fikaro Tomori was, has been a professional for three years now. Mason Greenwood was brought into the, the first team squad at the end of last season and played a couple games here and there. This is his first full season and he's 17 or 18 years old playing a ton of games now and needing to be relied upon to, uh, to for United to have any sort of attacking threat. And it's it's not going to happen every week for him. It's just not, unless you're like a Mbappe, that, he's a once-in-a-generation talent. You have to be patient with them. And, and that goes out to Brandon Williams and maybe even McTominay when he comes back. So it, it, it's imperative for them if they're going to get top four, maybe win the Europa League if top four gets out of their grasp, but it's still perfectly like feasible. They've got to get someone. And if it's Bruno Fernandez, great. If they can't get him, they need someone else. It's just it's it would be completely it would be completely unrealistic to expect anything uh anything of this season if they don't go get someone. I know United are in a quote unquote they they the Fernandez is the name that's been out there for a while. He was out there in the in the preseason, he's out there now. The initially they had a deal and then it fell through because sporting wants more money. But they need they absolutely need something. And I I will say I don't think this is entirely Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's fault because there are players in this team, in my opinion, that aren't capable of getting any team to a top four. Like I, I don't I think Andres Pereira is an a bang average player. Yeah. And he's playing every game for United. Phil Jones is a bang average defender. We've seen that. We know that. 
Luke Shaw has had an up and down, the rise and fall of Luke Shaw at Manchester United is very documented. Injuries, there are players to on be this fair. team. Injuries <laughs> too. Injuries. injuries too. There, there are players on this team that have no place being in a team that is uh, trying to to get to achieve the top four. And they had Lukaku go out. They didn't replace him. Now Ashley Young, who fine, he wasn't playing a lot. He's Alexis gone. Sanchez they for all to, of Alexis for Sanchez. the lack of what he brought. He was still, you know, the, still another body that left that they just weren't able to replace. Still haven't been able to in January, and we're looking at seven days left in the window. They're putting Ole in the absolute worst situation because you can't do this and expect results immediately. You need to bring in the right players, and he hasn't been given enough of them. So I feel bad if for If the him, expectation but- is, is Champions League and they fire him and, and don't get him any players right now, then it's completely unfair to Ole. I would, I would agree. The current situation, I think, is what that's the what we're the understanding we're all operating under. We think that their their goal is to get Champions League, so we think they're going to fire him. But maybe their goal is just doesn't matter what you do with the season. Try to win a cup, uh, like and try to I don't know get top four or maybe sneak Europa or something. But if it doesn't happen, fine. Just figure out which of the young players are are, are going to be good enough to build this team around and then we'll go and invest after that. But then, you know, at that point you just think, wouldn't you just rather sack him now and get Pochettino before someone else does? Couldn't Pochettino do that with more experience and with, you know, I don't know. And there are, there are rumors that they've already talked to Pochettino. And he could absolutely bring a more serious pull for uh, prospective signings to come to Manchester United, which, you know, it seems like a good few of them already are, pretty allured by the, the the name Manchester United itself. So adding Pochettino to that mix, it's it, it's a no-brainer for me. But at the same time, if I'm if they're fully in on this long-term uh, plan, or if if there is even is a long-term plan, and, and Solskjaer is who they want to, to execute it, then sure, I don't blame them. I'll happily take fourth off their hands. Thanks, Man United. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think... Everything is Ole's fault. I also don't think he's the best guy, but I don't think he's been given the best cards. And like, I think there was only so much he could do with what he has. If that makes, if that, I think the board has made it even more difficult than it was. I never thought. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't. The board has made it difficult. I don't necessarily think he's the guy, but the board has done him no favors, which is why I think firing him isn't going to fix the problem. Firing him is not going to make... Well, I also think he might have mismanaged a couple of these injuries. Uh, Rashford in particular. McTominay, he he, he came back and then immediately got hurt Yeah, the Rashford one's really bad against Wolves in the FA Cup. I mm -hmm. think he had the injury already, and then I guess they were pushing for the winner, and he brought him on and he got injured after 20 minutes. Yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. That's a real bad look. And they were in the Liverpool game for the sole purpose that Liverpool were not finishing chances, which is the same reason that like like United had chances late in the game, but Liverpool had so many chances in that game. We we pull, we should have played them off the park. We should have won three four nil, and it was close. And then Salaga obviously gets the late goal, which was awesome. But shout out to that assist by Allison, by the way. Like put that on a loop, hang it in a museum because it was a work of art. It's not often a goalkeeper gets to uh, do a full blown knee slide it's like after a penalty save or like after a penalty shootout save you'll see it mm-hmm. but after the assist yeah, yeah it was appropriate think, i'll allow it full goalkeeper slide it was appropriate it was appropriate against our biggest rivals to put them 30 points behind us it definitely makes sense all right right now 
There are four points separating Manchester United in fifth and 14th. Who do you have finishing in fifth place right now on January 23rd? So right now, I mean, you look at the table and, I mean, the main message here is that no one, and this even reaches up to us, Chelsea. I just talked about it in the Chelsea-Arsenal recap, but this reaches as far up as Chelsea in fourth. Uh, No one can put a run of like five or six games together where they just have five or six solid to good performances in a row. Everyone from fourth place down to the relegation zone, maybe less so near the relegation zone, but we've seen teams like Bournemouth and uh, West Ham have little runs of form here and then just go on long, terrible runs of form. But everyone just above them is having the same problem. And it's caused this parody in the middle of the table that just makes it really hard to predict things, obviously. You're trying to look a little bit more like the individual matchups and stuff and styles of the teams. But it's... um, (laughs) On the other hand, it's something that makes the Premier League great that, you know, every team, depending on who's injured and who's rounding into form at what time of season can uh, it can do anything and finish anywhere. Southampton are a team that are on amazing form right now and could be in the conversation for Europa League. And that's a couple of months after they lost 9-0 to Leicester. So there, there's... We, there was talk of them getting relegated yeah, on this they, podcast. Yeah, they were on a 10-game run early on in the season that was comparable to relegation form and the kind of form they'd been under uh, for when the, Mark Hughes was the manager, when, uh, uh, what's his name, Pellegrini or Pellegrino, whichever one it was, the Argentine guy who, uh, Pellegrino, I think mm-hmm. it was. They, they were on relegation form for a good few years and it looked like they were slipping back into that. And now all of a sudden they're up in the Europa League conversation. They've won uh, they've won at Leicester. They've won uh, at Crystal Palace the other day. They, they're on a great run of form, especially away from home. So They beat Tottenham they, too. Tot- <laughs> there are teams like this that are coming out and having these great runs of form. And I have no doubt that they'll drop off relatively. But it, it just makes it really hard to make a read on who it is out of that group that's going to be able to not even play amazingly, but just put some sort of unbeaten run together where instead of cheap losses at the end of games uh, like uh, Chelsea have run into, you're able to just sort of hold on and get like a draw out of it or something like that. It's it's kind of madness. And I, I think I'll lean towards Tottenham despite the Harry Kane injury, just because I feel like Jose Mourinho will wade through the shit and he'll kind of, I mean, I think he they're still in contention for fourth, never mind fifth. So fifth might be Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up in fifth or sixth too. We're only six points ahead of uh, uh, Tottenham United and Wolves and henceforth only like eight or nine ahead of the bunch of other teams. So we're uh, capable if like Tammy Abraham, his injury is you know, a significant one that he picked up against Arsenal, then all of a sudden we are well and truly up shit creek without a paddle because it will back us into a corner in the transfer market and uh, we'll have to pay another exorbitant price for a striker who might uh, not come in and score right away. So um, I know there's a roundabout way of talking about like how the whole league is just sort of like in this crazy like fluctuation of teams and like ending... Uh, like cycles like Tottenham and Manchester United and Arsenal and trying to transition to new cycles and get some consistency back. Um, but who would you kind of favor to like, I guess, 
like distance themselves from the pack. In, in terms of pure roster, it's Tottenham. I would agree with you. I would love to say Wolves because I and, and I'm biased like this. And if you follow me on Twitter at Andrew Pissarro, by the way, at Ghost Gold Pod at ASMOS92, you'll see I tweet about Wolves a lot, and that's because I bet on Wolves a lot. They're probably after Liverpool, my favorite team to gamble on because usually they're pretty decent to handicap and you get good odds on them. But I think they've I think as long as they don't sustain a major injury, they've shown over the last couple of weeks, yeah, they have a lot of draws and they fall behind a lot, but how many games have we seen Wolves not give up on a game, get that late yeah. goal and somehow score a late winner? Like I had Southampton in their their win against Southampton over the weekend they were down 2-0 in the second half. They came back and won that game 3-2. And you've got Adam Traore, who's running at teams constantly. You've got you've got Jimenez, who has shown he has an eye for a goal. You've got the experience in midfield with Moutinho. You've got a very good, young defensive midfielder in Neves. And you have a solid, well-organized back line in front of an international goalkeeper in Rui Patricio. Like, this is a solid team. And I know your biggest question is they, they could focus on Europa League, which is absolutely true. And we know that turnaround from Thursday to Sunday is the worst. So I, I definitely get that. I want to say Wolves because uh, they're right there. They could have moved into fifth place. My question with Wolves is just the goal-scoring output every game. You don't see them scoring a ton of goals. You see them scoring just enough. And if something happens and it dries up, that's my question. But that's the same thing that happened to Tottenham. I mean, they lost Kane. Fine, they still have Hinman Son, but he's not the same player as, as Harry Kane is. And I, I don't think it can be Arsenal. I really don't. I think Arsenal is at best finishing in seventh place, but I think we're looking at an eighth to tenth place for for Arsenal unless they make a major change. I, I think Sheffield's well, okay. Sheffield's on a hell for, of a run. for Arsenal. Just I, I, obviously the results haven't completely turned around, but you have to say the performances have. And if they're playing and better, if they're playing better. Southampton are in contention for like Europe, Europa places also. I think Arsenal could be contention for like fifth, maybe if they get really lucky, maybe even fourth. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put money on it, but it's a long shot still. I think for Arsenal, but that's purely down to everyone else. The main theme here being everyone else can't put together a run of fixtures. So if Arsenal can somehow find a way to do it, who knows? Maybe they could, uh, maybe they could sneak in. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to predict it, but it's out there. I think it's possible for Arsenal if they come together but I I also think we need for them I think they need a full-on Manchester United collapse Wolves to go far in in the Europa League but I still think Spurs are better than them and that's I, I I look at the roster that Arsenal has and the weaknesses they have in the back line inconsistent as Manchester United's back line has been I still like it better than Arsenal's Tottenham's miles better Wolves miles better and that like I think Arsenal are no longer in control of their own destiny even though the points are there just I have so many questions and the discipline too now back-to-back games with them playing with red cards you got Aubameyang over the weekend and David Luiz or Aubameyang the the before the weekend now David Luiz picking that one up in the Chelsea game they're still missing something and they're I don't see it coming in in the transfer window, I do think Arteta is going to get this team moving eventually, and I think we will see a little bit of a run, but I kind of see that run happening maybe in the FA Cup or maybe in Europe. I don't see that necessarily happening in England. I just don't trust this Arsenal team, really. Uh, 
Southampton, I think, is gonna they're gonna get to safety and they'll cool off. Crystal Palace, I don't buy. Everton, I certainly don't buy. Burnley, we have money on them to get relegated. Newcastle. Yeah, but they kind of, uh, Burnley have kind of ruined that for us, man. They've won both their games know, since then. I know. We should have gone with Bournemouth, like I said. I, <laughs> I mean, even they won uh, yesterday or two days ago. So yeah, they did. It's, it's anyone's guess at this point. You know, all it takes is, like, I guess, a Chris Wood injury or a Nick Pope injury, and now all of a sudden Burnley are right back down there. And don't forget about West Ham. 100%. West Ham are. You know, they're making a pretty strong bid to get a surprise relegation themselves. So I would not be shocked. Would not be shocked. Uh, before we wrap it up, I do want to mention that Wilfred and Didi back for art for Wilfred and Didi back out there on the bench for Leicester City, which is so huge for them. They Came on and played on 48 points. Gave away a penalty. <laughs> that's that's not great. But the fact that he's back out there is is still huge uh they he's so crucial for their team and they're still eight points above chelsea in third place so uh, vardy pulled I, up I with a little injury less- i think he had to be taken out uh they, uh, they haven't i guess inspected him further he's in like the same sort of situation mane's in but we just don't know yet mm-hmm. but you know they I'm sure they could hold out for maybe a couple games, but they've got Chelsea at home, I think, very soon. I know we play them soon, and uh, yeah, he's probably just as important up top for them as Ndidi is uh, for them defensively. So one injury, they get past, and another one uh, pokes his head up right at the worst time. But um, Villa away, Chelsea at home, February 1st. Uh, then they have Wolves on Valentine's Day. That's their next three. Tasty. But there is... Yeah. Yeah. So, and obviously Brentford in the FA Cup, which shout out to the FA Cup, just absolutely ruining my weekend because there's no NFL and there's no no EPL this weekend. Just truly, truly devastating for my... my Life decisions. Uh, I'll send you a recommended viewing list, Andrew. Don't worry, you won't. You won't go. Uh, you go. You won't go wanting. Well, here's the thing. All the everything that I've read is that Harvey Elliott isn't even going to play for the Liverpool team on Sunday. It sounds like we're actually going to run out like the 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 like the B team, not the U23s. We're we're going to like start Origi. We're going to start Shakiri. We're going to start Minamino. We're going to start Lalana. Give Fabinho some minutes. Probably fair. Get Matip and Lovren. Yeah, which is which is fair. It's totally fair. But it's like uh, Harvey Elliott's doing really well every time that we play random insert crap team. And come on, Andrew, you have to I, adopt I, I, City's I mindset. You have to start thinking you have to, you can win every single trophy. I get that. I, I I did have this on my show sheet before we before we finish this up. Should we be wanting a Manchester City Liverpool FA Cup final? Uh, sure. Yeah, that would probably be fun. But there's plenty of other matchups too. I always enjoy, I always enjoy like one of the teams that doesn't get to win a trophy every now and then. Uh, like when I think we're all kind of rooting for Watford to do that for their fans last season, and then they just shit the bed. Well, they got blasted by City, which we all kind of expected. Like the one, the cool thing about Liverpool and City playing is that it would be really cool if like obviously Liverpool in the Premier League, and then. We play the FA Cup final, and it, the two teams just go at it, and nobody's like sitting back, and you just have like a full on like three two four three, just back and forth, up and down. Like I think that game would actually be really fun. And City are getting healthier with Laporte coming back. I think a full on just let's go to war. Nobody's trying to, 
nobody's trying to get a point out of this. No one's trying to like, you know what I mean? Like this, you leave it all on the field and you win a trophy. I feel like that would be really cool for, for the rivalry. To, to be honest, like that would be, it'd be something different in the rivalry. You've already played them in uh champions league in a two leg, like champions right. league knockout. And yeah, it's, it, it would be better to face them. Maybe, I mean, maybe even a semifinal because those are still at Wembley still to win that, to get yeah. through that can go to extra time and penalties. You know, even that it's, it seems like most of the time that for the last five to 10 years, the FA cup has now shifted towards the big teams, being in at least the semifinals or finals every year with maybe one smaller team sprinkled in there like Hull or uh, or, or something a couple seasons ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you got had Man- Manchester United, Chelsea two seasons ago. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we had Chelsea-Arsenal a couple seasons before that. I remember we, it's usually a big game in the finals. So, I mean, even if it's not Manchester City, uh, I feel like we... Like, I don't know. I feel like Chelsea could still give you guys a pretty good game in a one-off game in the FA Cup final. Maybe not. Maybe we yeah, get killed. You did it in the Super Cup. Yeah, but you did it in the Super Cup. I feel like it's been a long time. Tottenham probably not. Manchester United maybe with the counterattacking. Yeah. Wolves. Who knows? Leicester. Leicester are still yeah. in it. It's Leicester. A Leicester Liverpool. The Brendan Rodgers yeah. Bowl. FA Cup. Brendan at needs like his, right. he needs his trophy at Leicester to really announce himself. He gets an FA Cup and a top four spot in Champions League for Leicester. That'll be a great season. It'll be a fantastic season. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us today. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at GhostColdPod, at Andrew Pissarro, at ASMoss92, at JavierRev9. And until next week when we're previewing the Premier League. Well.